This is Understand South Carolina, a news podcast from the Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. Just over one in three South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Almost 44% have received at least one shot. That's good news. But health experts have been concerned about slowing demand for the vaccine in South Carolina. As we discussed on this podcast earlier this year, it was difficult to get a vaccine appointment. Demand far outpaced supply. Now that's switch. South Carolina could be vaccinating many more people a day than it is right now. But because of the availability of vaccines, South Carolina's governor issued a new executive order this week that sought to cut down on government-mandated rules about wearing face masks. On the evening of Tuesday, May 11th, Governor Henry McMaster issued an executive order that put the decision of whether students will continue to wear masks in schools in the hands of parents. He directed the state health department to create a waiver that parents or guardians could sign that would exempt a child from any mask rules in their school. The order also dissolved mask mandates in local municipalities if those mandates relied on prior executive orders or a state of emergency. The governor had said he was planning to take some action on mask mandates, though until this week it wasn't clear exactly what that would look like. Here's Assistant Columbia Bureau Chief Shauna Adcox. He warned them. He said, if you don't take back your government mandated mask mandate, I will do, quote, unquote, whatever's necessary to make that happen. Now, he didn't specify two weeks ago what that whatever necessary would be. I'm sure he was consulting his lawyers on what actually he could do. But he did hint that an executive order was a possibility. And when he he said that would depend on what cities do and and when they started continuing their or extending their mask mandates after some expired or whatever, then he went ahead and just so happened that the decision came down not very long at all after Columbia City Council decided six to one to extend the mask mandate through June 5th. After learning of McMaster's order, Columbia Mayor Steve Benjamin said they had no plans to draft new language to keep the city's mask requirement. Instead, he said they would focus on vaccination initiatives. Also on Tuesday, Charleston City Council agreed to let its mask mandate expire. Mayor John Tecklenburg said during the meeting that residents and visitors will still be strongly encouraged to follow public health guidance, which calls for mask wearing. To the mask ordinance, we're we're in in essence uh, allowing the mask ordinance to expire. There'll be no more requirements inside or outside or anywhere However, we do ask our citizens to practice good public health and, and, and follow CDC guidelines and to recommend that they get um, vaccinated. However, it's all just on a uh, recommendation basis. There are no requirements. And on Wednesday, Greenville decided to end its mask ordinance, deeming it no longer valid. Now, this order doesn't mean that cities and counties can't have mask mandates. They can. But since this order was written in such a way that voided existing mandates, municipalities would have to write all new ordinances. Mandates might become recommendations. He didn't say all mask mandates must end because he recognizes he doesn't have the authority to do such. It wouldn't hold up in court. Politicians like to end their ordinances or executive orders or even state law It'll say 
they'll list a lot of whereas, whereas such and such in terms of their reasoning for having this thing. It's legal, it's political why they do it. And then they get to the therefore of whatever the law or whatever the ordinance does. And almost, I believe all of them, I'm not quite sure, in their whereas clauses would list the governor's state of emergency as why they're doing this. And if they did, poof, it becomes invalid. So cities could pass a new one that just writes it differently. But as Steve Benjamin said yesterday, he doesn't think that they're going to do that. What they'll do now is focus on you know, shifting their focus to encourage people to get vaccinated. One thing to note here, South Carolina has never had a statewide mask mandate. The closest we came was in August when McMaster put a mask mandate for state buildings. When he did that, that's when he also encouraged cities and counties to pass their own local ordinances. But he officially took that encouragement out when he rescinded the order for state buildings on March 5th, when he issued that new state of emergency or that new declaration, that clause that was in his own order no longer said, I encourage cities and counties to do this. However, cities and counties, when they extended their mandates, continued to cite that. Private businesses could choose to keep their own mask rules. This order applies only to government mandates. And businesses can choose to go along with now what their city and county is doing, or they can still say, hey, you need to wear a mask in my business. The law that the governor signed two weeks ago that that gives businesses and state agencies or local governments safe harbor from COVID liability, in other words, you, you can't sue, if you do, it'll be thrown out, is that if they follow public health guidance, then, then you're safe from those lawsuits. You can't be sued. Well, DHEC is still DHEC and CDC because DHEC points to CDC. It still says masks should be worn. So for liability reasons, I, I expect to still see businesses to say you need a mask. The implications of the order as it applies to schools also played out quickly this week. On Wednesday, the State Department of Education decided to lift its face mask policy, except on school buses. State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman's office said its legal experts don't believe McMaster possesses the authority to override the Department of Education on its mask advice. But the office decided to lift its face covering policy, quote, rather than wage a debate over constitutionality. Spearman spoke to reporters during a weekly media briefing held by the state's health department on Wednesday afternoon. She said school districts didn't have time to prepare and that the order caused chaos. Uh, Unfortunately, due to the late release and it being after school had closed for the day, uh, there was no time for school districts to prepare or very little time And there was no form that had been sent out for parents to be ready to sign. And I appreciate DHEC working very quickly. Uh, That is not their fault. They, too, were uh, notified late. But that form is now on the line, and I appreciate that. And that is helping on the situation across the state. So as of May 12th, parents can fill out a form available online, exempting their kids from wearing masks in school. While the state health department complied with creating that form, the agency itself still recommends wearing masks in schools and in other settings. 
Here's DHEC Agency Director Dr. Edward Simmer speaking to reporters on Wednesday. We, we certainly respect uh, that the governor has to take many issues into account when he uh, makes a decision like this and that, uh, you know, the uh, we are certainly going to comply with the order. Uh, that said, uh, from a public health standpoint, we continue to strongly recommend that people wear masks when they are indoors or in crowded outdoor settings. We also strongly recommend that people that both the teachers, uh, students, and anyone else in a school setting wear masks in schools. We would have preferred to see those things remain mandated at least till the end of the school year. Uh, we, that I think would have been, from a public health standpoint, would have minimized the risk of infection and maximized safety for, for everyone in the school setting. So that would have been our preference. Some South Carolina parents have been protesting mask wearing rules in schools. On the same day McMaster issued his order, parents had been demonstrating in front of the Greenville County School District headquarters. Now, Superintendent Spearman said they've immediately heard concerns from parents who feel the exact opposite way, that they don't feel comfortable sending their child to school if face masks aren't being required. While we've heard from some parents who did not want their children to wear masks, uh, we now are hearing from the silent, which I believe majority of parents, who are saying we're worried about sending our students to school now and the mask requirement not being in place. So superintendents this morning are dealing with parents requesting to go virtual, and uh, it's put them in a very difficult situation. So yes, I'm very concerned. I think uh, the mask mandate did help us. In fact, it even helped in family situations. Sometimes children say, I don't want to do this. And the parents say, well, you have to because the rule is that. And now that has changed. And so I, I am very concerned about it. I think that most districts I've talked with this morning, though, are planning to say that they are following DHEC requirements and will ask that masks be worn. However, there will be parents and, and some communities more than others that will sign the opt-out form. So it puts our classroom teachers and those school personnel in a very precarious situation. Teachers also quickly expressed their concerns. The teacher advocacy group SC for Ed announced on Thursday that they would be organizing a day of protest on Monday, May 17th. Hi, I'm Avery Wilkes, a projects reporter for the Post and Courier Columbia. As journalists, we work hard to hold powerful people accountable for the decisions that they make and how they affect others. And we have a track record of investigations that have brought about real, tangible change in our community. But that kind of watchdog reporting isn't free. It's time consuming and expensive. To pay for it, we need people to subscribe and support journalism with real dollars. Help us keep going. Learn how to subscribe at postingcourier.com slash subscribe. Again, the vaccine uptake in South Carolina is moving more slowly than health experts would like. 
Demand has really dropped off in recent weeks. Here's health reporter Mary Catherine Wollman. For the first months of the year, there was a lot of consternation and angst over the amount of supply that was coming into the state. We were really worried about not having enough vaccine to get everyone a shot. And then, you know, just a couple weeks after everyone became eligible, demand fell off by the order of like tens of thousands. So for reference, like the first week of April, about 300,000 South Carolinians got vaccinated. In the second week of May, it's about 150,000, so about half. Here's another example. A mass vaccination site at the Columbia Place Mall that gets special allocation from the federal government could be giving 1,000 doses every day. Instead, it's averaging 315. I think mass vaccination sites have been really successful. It's not that they haven't been. But hospital leaders, for instance, that I've been talking to say that those were really best suited for people who were really eager to get the vaccine. And at this point, they think that everyone who was eager to, the vac- to get the vaccine has gotten it, right? So the, the next stage and the harder stage of this whole process is getting people vaccinated who are kind of on the fence or will get the vaccine, but maybe aren't motivated to go and seek it out themselves. And so these mass vaccination sites, I think they still have a purpose. And I don't necessarily think that we should close all of them. But some have closed, like at Roper St. Francis um, at the North Charleston Coliseum, they decided to close that site, which they've had open, I think, since January and just sort of disperse their efforts and put the put the Pfizer vaccine that they have at its express care sites. But actually, the challenge for a lot of hospitals, which have been big providers of the vaccine, if they have the Pfizer vaccine, then they have to worry about the cold chain storage issues. And so it's much harder to store the vaccine at smaller sites where they don't have that capability to store the Pfizer vaccine in particular in, in smaller venues. The big concern with getting enough people vaccinated quickly enough is to prevent the emergence of more variants of COVID-19. Here's what Assistant State Epidemiologist Dr. Jane Kelly had to say about that on a briefing with reporters last week. The vaccines we currently have in the United States are effective against the circulating variants. That's very important. My concern is if not enough people are vaccinated, then this virus has a huge pool of susceptible people to infect and to continue to mutate. This is a setup for variants to emerge against which vaccines won't work. The best way to avoid this is to cut this virus off from the opportunity to infect new people by vaccinating. I would kind of describe it as a good news, bad news situation. Our older population who is at most risk for hospitalization and death from COVID-19, the majority of them have been vaccinated. And that's really great. Like I wrote today a story that the number of new deaths reported from COVID is at a low point that we haven't seen, a weekly kind of total low point that we haven't seen since March of last year. So that's really, really great. But on the other hand, the threat that we're facing is from variants, and we just don't know when one could come on the scene that could be resistant to the vaccines or could really hit the unvaccinated population really hard. And so I think while we've been in this plateau, that doesn't mean that the threat isn't gone. And the problem, of course, is that we, if we don't get to high levels of immunity in the population, then just this, all of this kind of stays with us for longer and longer. Kind of the the buzz term that we've talked about before is herd immunity. 
So meaning getting enough people in a population immune to the virus where new outbreaks cannot occur. At the current pace that we're vaccinating people in South Carolina, do experts think we're going to get to herd immunity? And if so, do we know about how far away we are from that? It's interesting, Emily, they've stopped talking about herd immunity so much, I've noticed, as the goal seems like further away in terms of vaccines. So again, just to reiterate, with 34.8% of the population in South Carolina fully vaccinated, we're talking about needing 70% or probably even more to be vaccinated to reach herd immunity just through like vaccines. And I've noticed that public health experts have been hammering that issue less and just trying to get as many people vaccinated as they can. The best estimates right now are that you would have natural immunity for at least five months after getting COVID. And so that's kind of good news in terms of our immunity levels right now and may explain part of the reason why we're seeing kind of low case counts right now. But the problem with that is like natural immunity does expire. You will shed it over time and we don't really know what could happen at that point. Do health experts have any insight in terms of why we're seeing some hesitation? Uh, Do we know any of the specific reasons or do we know if there are specific parts of the population that seem to be more hesitant to get the vaccine? I ran some numbers myself using some census estimates for the population plus the percent of those populations that have been vaccinated. And it's it's pretty clear that young people in particular are not getting the vaccine. So broadly speaking, people 34 and under by by sort of DHEC's definition, those people are getting the vaccine at the lowest rates. And then like the lowest rate of anyone would be young black men. What we can do about that is like a much harder question to answer, I think. And what I've heard repeatedly is that it's really important to identify thought leaders, community leaders who really resonate with those groups of people and to get them to share that message that the vaccine is safe and effective and that, you know, that the people following them should get it. But identifying those people, getting them on board, and then just even getting that message shared out to enough people, that's just proven to be really tough, I think. Dr. Kelly also spoke about the need to motivate young people to get their COVID vaccines. So national polls, you know, Kaiser Family Foundation, NPR and others, as well as polls that we have done here in South Carolina indicate that the younger age groups, they just don't see a need to be vaccinated. They don't fear getting COVID-19. They don't see a reason for them to be vaccinated. If you get COVID, maybe you won't get severely ill, but you'll have to isolate for at least 10 days gone from fun summer activities, you know, gone from summer job, gone from travel, sports practice, isolated from friends. And on the flip side, if you do get vaccinated and you are then exposed to COVID, you are close contact to someone who's sick, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to test, you don't have to quarantine as long as you don't have symptoms, no missed events. And you can get together with other people who are fully vaccinated. You can get together with your fully vaccinated friends and family, no masks, no distancing. Are there any solutions that that people are proposing to address some of these things that are that are keeping us from getting to 
you know, a faster vaccination rate picking up the pace again? It's a really good question. I don't know that the vaccine rate, the vaccination rate is going to pick up again. It's just hard to imagine how we would get that done. But keeping the rate at least where it's at and keeping people at least with like a somewhat steady flow into vaccination clinics, I think would be a great goal. Um, And it is, as I said before, I think it's just about finding community leaders. And I keep hearing about making it like a grassroots political campaign, you know, with knocking on doors, leaflets and mailboxes, hitting up primary care offices and everyone who connects with people directly to let them know and encourage them to get their community vaccinated and to put the vaccine specifically in the hands of people who can deliver it best. So that's, that's really hard work that would, I think in normal times it would take years to get that off the ground and we have to do it really quickly. All right, listeners, that's all for today. If you have questions or comments about today's episode or an idea of what we should cover on the show next, write to us at understandsc at postandcareer.com or tweet us at understandsc. For our latest updates on COVID-19 in South Carolina, you can visit our dashboard, which we will link to in today's show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see you all next week.